Uh, let's bring in Craig Button, our uh, director of scouting and our TSN hockey analyst. What's going on, Craig? Not much, uh, A.B. How are you? I'm doing doing fantastic. Are you still in Calgary or have you made your way out west? I am, uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm driving out to Kamloops. Uh, probably going to leave in about an uh, hour and 15 minutes. I'm driving over there. How long does that right take the you? Month. Six and a half hours. Oh, that's not bad, actually. No, it's not bad. Hey, listen, I wouldn't do it in the winter, but it's summer. <laughs> and the weather's beautiful. So, uh, you know, I'm not taking that. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, you talk about the mountainous views and whatnot. I'm sure you talk about some guys who are on cloud nine right now. I just talked about a couple of them, Matt Kachuk, Sergey Bobrovsky, and the whole Panthers plan here, uh, clan here, sweeping the Carolina Hurricanes, booking their ticket into the Stanley Cup final. I mean, how crazy has this run been, given that they were literally a Pittsburgh win away against the Chicago Blackhawks from not even being into the playoffs, and here they are, the first team booking their spot into the Cup final? Well, yeah, I, will, I will relate back to you. Uh... You, you won't remember this, or you might remember it, but you weren't around. In 1991, our team with the Minnesota North Stars, we beat the number one seed, the President's Trophy winner, Chicago Blackhawks. We beat the second best team in the league, the St. Louis Blues. And then we beat uh, the uh, defending Stanley Cup champion, Edmonton Orders, before we got to the Stanley Cup final. And I call it the magical mystery tour. It's magical when you get on those types of runs. You, it, it really is. I mean, you, you're, you're winning, you're beating good teams, your team is really playing well, and all of a sudden you're in the Stanley Cup final. And it, it, it's a little bit of a mystery in the sense that, you know, you look back at your season and you kind of go, well, geez, how, like, you know, we didn't play very well. And I mean, we weren't anywhere near the level of the Florida Panthers. I mean, we were, we were an under 500 team, but, you know, the playoff system was different, but we still got on one of those real big time uh, eaters. And, and that's what they're on. Bob Ganey used to say that the hardest round to win is the first round. And what, but once you've won a first round series, you beat a team four times, and that's hard to do. When you beat a, when you beat a President's Trophy winning team, you better take that team seriously. I said this, I never thought the Toronto Maple Leafs knew who they were playing until game four mm. of the Florida series. And you better recognize who you're playing. And, you know, they, they dispatched. I mean, all the games were close. Everybody says our games are close. Work. You know, the playoffs are about winning, finding a way to win. And the Florida Panthers found a way to win. And it doesn't matter how close the Carolina Hurricanes were. They didn't find a way to win. So when you get functioning in all the areas of your game, Bobrovsky, the blue line, Matthew Kachuk, you, everybody playing so well, you know, you, you, become, you become a force uh, unto yourself. And that's what the Florida Panthers have become. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any question they're going to play the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. We're going to have a first-time Stanley Cup winner here in 2023. And, you know, the, everybody has, has picked against the Florida Panthers. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens going into the Stanley Cup final because, you know, I don't know how you can bet against them. And I'm not saying to, to, to bet against the Vegas Golden Knights, but it's hard to bet, yet, yet be to, uh, bet against the Florida Panthers right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at, at the goaltending, and it's been phenomenal. I know Aiden Hill's doing a good job out in, in Vegas as well, but, like, Sergei Bobrovsky's quite literally putting on a performance of a lifetime. He's on a, a stretch run here that's, by underlying metrics, never been seen before in an 8-9 game stretch. Is this playoff performance alone, like, good enough to consider Bobrovsky's $70 million contract a, a good return on investment, Craig? Well, if you win a Stanley Cup, <laughs> I would say that, uh, you know, when you have a goaltender backstopping you, pun intended, I mean, I, I, I would say there's lots of value in that. You know, I'll share a quick story with you. 
when uh, when the Detroit Tigers signed Prince Fielder, I gave him a huge signing bonus. A lot of people were going, how can you do that? How can you do that? And, you know, Mr. Illich, the late Mr. Illich, you know, he always talked about, hey, listen, you know what? If we have a team that's competitive, I'll make I'll make that money back. They went to the World Series that year. Mr. Illich said they made all their money back and more in one year by signing Prince Fielder and giving them that big signing bonus. If the Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup, all of that will be worth it and more. I would imagine so. I, I really would. I mean, they, they made the decision last offseason that they were going to invest in this group, and they brought in Matt Kachuk, and obviously they paid him very handsomely to come and join the team and give him a long-term deal, and look how that's turned out. Uh, you look at his, his, the Eastern Conference Final, that series alone. I mean, three game winners, two of which coming in overtime, and then last night with four seconds left on the clock. I mean, other than the word clutch, is there another word you can use to describe Matt Kachuk these days? Well, I mean, you could say timely. I mean, he scores he scores the overtime winner, you know, with the, the, just prior to the end of game four, just prior to the end of the fourth overtime, right? He scores early in, in, in overtime in game two, and then he scores right at the end of uh, regulation in game five. So we, we know he's clutch. And, and timely too, you know. You think about not having to go back into the into the dressing room at, at, in game one. You know, it's over. Now you go back to the dressing room, and Matthew directed everybody to the dressing room. Same thing in game two, and and then last night, you, you know, you get a chance to celebrate. So you know, clutch and timely. But you know, Matthew Kachuk has always been a big time performer. You know, you asked me about heading out to the Memorial Cup. Matthew Kachuk won a Memorial Cup. Yeah. You know, who scored the winning goal in overtime to deliver the Memorial Cup to London Knights? Get if you guess. say Matthew Kachuk, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my first guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it really is incredible what, what those two are doing leading this team because you mentioned it. it. There's been timely goals. It's not like they're wiping the floor with anyone. Seven wins in a row have been one-goal wins. Like, they're just getting by. But, hey, they don't ask, you know, how. They just want to know how many wins. And they've got 12 of them and they have themselves into a Stanley Cup final. The job's not done yet, though, as a lot of them did note yesterday when, when being interviewed um, after they touched the trophy, Craig. They did touch the trophy, I might add. But when you look at those two guys, Matt Kachuk and Sergei Bobrovsky, how big of a gap for you is there in regards to, to maybe being, like, the Conn Smythe favorite? Because Yesterday, prior to the game, I was like, it's got to be Bob's. Like, he may even be having a Jaguar level performance where they could lose and he still could win the Conn Smythe. And then I see Kachuk go out there, score two goals in a, a closeout game, including the clutch great goal he scored to end it. It's like, man, that guy's pretty valuable, too. <laughs> Yeah, like imagine having to vote on that. And, That's what know, I'm saying. Like, it, yeah, I, I it's so so close. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I you know, I know you talk about Jaguar who lost, and he was he, he was brilliant in that playoff run in '03. I haven't seen a performance like this since Patrick Wine in 1993. Wow. And uh, you know, our ace, uh, you know, the quizmaster sent out uh, something today to uh, to ask just about the save percentage. Uh, between Bobrovsky and Patrick Waugh. You know, Patrick Waugh through, through his playoff run and Bobrovsky through his playoff run. It is, it is eerily similar. And, you know, and Patrick won the, uh, the Conn Smythe that year in 1993. So, you know, you know, you think about what Bobrovsky had to do. And, you, you know, Matthew Kachuk has, has been great, but you're down three games to one. You have no margin for error. You've got to go win game five in Boston, come back and win at home, and then win in overtime in game 
seven in Boston against the, the President Trophy winners. You go into Toronto, you win the first two games, you know, you find a way to go back into Toronto and close out the series in a in an excellent performance. And now you just sweep. I mean I mean when when you think about Bobrovsky, he gave up six goals in four games. Crazy. Six goals. It, it is crazy. So, you know, as much as Matthew is has delivered in a big way, I, I give the edge, the slight edge right now to Bob. Technically, you could look at it as five games because there was also four extra periods that were yeah. played in game number yep. one. It truly is uh, it's, it's insane what's going on there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll stick to, to the actual hockey, I guess, before getting into the Leafs and Dubas and all that fun stuff. But Carolina unable to avoid the sweep. And how much faith do you have that Dallas can, can do it tonight without their captain in the lineup as he serves his two-game ban? Zero. They're the... They're just getting outplayed now, uh, and you, you don't have you, you you lose a good player. Jake Ottinger has not; he's been up and down. Maybe he's up tonight. You know, I'm just I mean this this pains me to say it. You know, Dallas is always going to be in my heart, but I I, I don't give them okay. I give them one percent chance. That's <laughs> like, pretty low. That's pretty yeah, low. It's, isn't it's that, really low. But isn't that just, insane? I think Vegas. Yeah, it is. It is insane. How quickly? I mean, can you think about about this? Ab two conference final series potentially being swept it's unheard of yeah like i i i believe that hasn't happened before i don't know that to be the case but certainly not in my lifetime have we seen something like this it's it's actually crazy how we could legitimately have stanley cup final action kicking off in in may not june in may because these two teams able to make quick work of their opponents uh with craig butner tsn Hockey analyst. Uh, so, Craig, it's been nearly a week since Brandon Shanahan took to the podium to announce that uh, Kyle Dubas would not be returning as the Maple Leafs general manager. Since then, the most consistent name that's been brought up as, as his successor is Brad Tree Living. You know him pretty well with your ties to the Flames organization. Do you think that Tree Living is the, the right fit and the best option for the Maple Leafs at this point? Well, I, you know, I always think, A.B., that there's lots of good options. I, I never think it comes down to just one person solely, you know, being the, the best option. I mean, Brendan talked about experience being important uh, and, and being an advantage. He, he was very clear it would be an advantage for, for candidates. And I, I have felt uh, from the from the beginning of this process when, when Brendan announced that he was going to change uh, the manager that – you know, it's not for the uninitiated. This is a team now, and that's very clear. That very clearly has one mandate, and that's to move forward. Moving forward isn't having another good regular season. Moving forward is having success in the playoffs. And whatever whatever decisions have to be made surrounding that goal, that objective, somebody has to come in and give Brendan Shanahan and the board a very clear vision of how they would accomplish that, so that they can have the faith in that. Brad isn't the only person that could fit that role, but you know he's available. He, he, he's somebody that uh, certainly, uh, you know, when you look at experience, you look at uh, nine years in the seat in Calgary, you look at some of the experiences he's gone through. Certainly, certainly, he's uh, he, he's a credible, credible uh, candidate. But I, I, you, you know, Brendan, I think uh, to get uh, to get through the process. I think it's important for him to talk to a number of people to get different ideas from different people on how they would tackle, uh, you know, what the, the what the challenge is for the Toronto Maple Leafs and and how to move that team forward. I, I think it's always beneficial to talk to more people, not less. And certainly, 
Brad is one of the people you definitely want to talk to. And certainly if Brad assumed the seat, he, I, there's no question that he would be uh, credible and, and, and certainly a, a, a good person to fill that seat. But the, the, for Brendan right now, I, I, I think he's got to go through the process of, of talking to, to a few people. And, and whatever that number is, whether that's three or five or eight or whatever the number is, I think that would benefit Brendan as much as anybody. Yeah, and I think uh, I did see Drake's tweet out today that uh, it's early in the GM interview process, but Shanahan does plan on uh, speaking with with multiple suitors. Bradshaw Living has been involved in uh, the discussions early as the process continues. I do want to know, though, like we heard a couple of days ago, Chris Johnston report that, um, you know, he was of the understanding that the players – Got the the belief that it, it's it's Shanny's intention to return with the core four intact. How do you think Brad Trilliving would be feeling if he heard that? If he was going into this situation knowing that that core four hasn't worked to this point, and apparently the guy on top who makes the decisions final say already has made that very large decision for that club. How would he feel going into that hearing Shanny's comments? Here's how I feel. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And, you know, people can say that it's their understanding and everything. Brendan Shanahan's too smart to start painting himself in a corner. And he's certainly not going to paint his general manager in a corner. You know, you never know what's going to come along. You, you have no idea. So you cannot close your, your, your mind to, 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 to ideas that, that may potentially have, have not surfaced yet. So it's it, it's not in the best interest of anybody to be able to say that oh I'm not going to do this. When I was a manager, it was very clear. Like if I can improve the team, I was going to do it. I would tell players all the time. It's not my intention to trade you, but understand that if there's something that makes our team better, I will consider everything and anybody. And I think Brendan Shanahan is – I don't think – Brendan Shanahan is way too smart to box himself in in that regard. So, quite frankly, I'm not buying it. Now, maybe it was interpreted differently, but I don't think Brendan would do that. I don't think he would box himself in. I don't think he would box in his next general manager. And I don't think he wants to box in the Toronto Maple Leafs for something that could be uh, uh, potentially out there for, for, for his team to get better. I mean, especially after seeing what – like, how much influence do you think Florida's success could have on the thought process of, you know, moving on from core pieces? Because, I mean, they moved on from Huberto and Uyghur and brought in Matt Kachuk, and look what's, what's happened. I know it could be looked, I suppose, as an anomaly, but this is a, cat, a, a copycat league. Like, could what Florida's doing maybe influence the thought process here where it's, hey, I mean, good things can happen if we make a change. Well, I mean, you're, you're always trying to affect change for, for the betterment of the team and the group. That's what you're always trying. Whether, whether it be in development, whether it be in drafting, whether it be in trading, with, you know, coaching tactics and strategies, you're always trying to do something with, with the idea that it's going to improve the group and improve your chances to win. So what I would say is the, the Florida Panthers, uh, you, 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 be careful. Be careful. They, they barely got into the playoffs. So they got on a they got on a great run and 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 that should be celebrated and never diminished. But they barely got into the playoffs, barely. They were down three one to the Boston Bruins. I give them every single credit to to reach this point. But be careful about following a model that you, you know you, that, that says we made this big trade and that's now we're in the Stanley Cup final. There was a lot of bumps along that road. 
And I'm not saying it wasn't the right thing to do, but if you go back in time, and this is where I'm at, I'm not looking at the outcome. I'm looking at Bill Zito being bold. I'm looking at Bill Zito saying, this didn't work. This didn't work. We were President's Trophy winners. We scored three goals in four games to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year and got swept. I got to change this. So to me, it's about being bold. It's not about saying, well, look, if they got to the Stanley Cup final, this is what we, we should do. It's about taking a bold move that says, this didn't work, and i got to find something different that could work. Not, not with any guarantees, but with the idea that I'm not going back to, to, to what I clearly see as something that's flawed. That's what I think the mindset has to be. Hmm. In conversation with Craig Button, our TSN Hockey analyst, well, whoever GMX is going to be, there's there's a lot of work to be done. Obviously, we know that there's there's 10 UFAs. they got to figure out what they want to do in, in terms of whether or not they want to keep Sheldon Keefe on board or move on from the coach. But I think the biggest thing that everyone is, is probably going to be waiting on is whether or not Austin Matthews wants to return, and he's eligible to sign an extension on July 1st. How, how worried would you be? If come July 1, no contract extension is announced, does, does that make you worry at all? Or do you think that this deadline of July 1 is a little bit less of a, an issue than it's being made to be? Well, I mean, wh- whether Cal Dubas was the general manager or, or whether he, he, he wasn't, this was a dilemma that was facing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Only Austin Matthews knows what his intentions are. I heard what he said. Everybody heard what he said. But how does that fit? How does that fit dollar-wise? How does that fit in terms of, of, of the franchise moving forward? And and I think that, you know, Austin and his representatives are going to have to engage in that. I don't think, quite frankly, uh, A.B., I, I do not see this as difficult. This is straightforward. This isn't some complicated NFL contract where you're trying to work. It's about what's your dollar figure? What does it look like? What's the term? What can we do? Is it reasonable? Is it something that we can do? Is it something we want to do? Is it something you want to do? And then you proceed from there. And if it doesn't fit, then you're going to have to explore what your options are. And it's not going to wait till July 1st. Now, I mean, when you use the word announcement, okay, maybe there's a deal in place and it gets announced July 3rd. I, I don't know. But it, it, if, there's, if there's not an intention to, to sign a long-term contract by, uh, by Austin Matthews, and, and I'm talking good faith intention that we're going to get this done, mm-hmm. then the Toronto Maple Leafs have to seriously consider all of their options. All of their options. Every single one of them. And that means playing the year with Austin Matthews going into the last year of his contract, knowing he might walk away and you get nothing, <laughs> trading it before July 1st, cooperating with Austin Matthews going into the last year, that maybe some team out there, you know, is going to sign him and, uh, you know, be able to, uh, you know, give him what he wants. All those things have to be on the table. That's why when you go back to the – like, I, I, there, there's, I don't see anything plausible in Brandon Shanahan saying to anybody – Listen, our plan is to keep you here. Because if Austin Matthews says, I'm not staying here, then not, now what? Yeah, it blows up the plan, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. That's why, that's what, listen, Brendan's smart. There's no way I see him boxing. So, so that's what I, you put everything on the table. And yeah. you go, and, and maybe it's as simple as this. We got one, one more year with Austin, and we're going to go for it. We're, we're blowing our brains out. <laughs> we're going to go, we're, we're going to go full in on this and try to win one cup with Austin Matthews. Maybe it's not. All the options have to be on the table. The weird thing is, like, 
I don't know what the temperature was like in Boston, but I mean, they were in a similar situation where they decided to, you know, let this Pasternak thing come all the way. When did he sign his deal? In like March, February, maybe. And and it didn't seem to impact or affect anybody. It didn't seem like the Boston market was shaking in their boots about losing this guy. But I feel like Toronto's just a completely different beast. And I don't know. It, I, this market will lose its mind if we show up to training camp on, on day one and neither Matthews or Nylander have an extension. And they go into that season uh, without either signed and they just say, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know how this market's going to react to that. Well, I think on this, uh, somewhere they should have a countdown clock beginning on July. Well, it 1st. is. They started two. They started last summer. Remember the doomsday clock? It was a big conversation yeah. last summer. Well, but but you really started this year. Yeah. You know, again, like you really started, and just AB, just a little bit of a heads up. If 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 there's not an exten- until there's an extension signed or not until there's some kind of clarity on it, right? You'll be working every day, Saturdays and Sundays included. <laughs> hey, I'm always on the job, always on yeah. call. Uh, Craig, uh, really quickly, actually, Rob Rossi, a great reporter for the Athletic um, out in uh, out in Pittsburgh, was on the morning show today, and he said that uh, it's to his understanding that if given the GM role, Kyle Dubis would be given the type of autonomy and roster decisions that uh, that he reportedly was was asking for here in Toronto. In your experience, Craig, because that's been a big conversation about maybe the rift that was taking place between Dubis and Shanahan and ownership. But in your in your experience, like how important is autonomy and having you know a little bit more control when acting as general manager for a hockey club? Well, here's what I always say, maybe. If you want autonomy, you want full autonomy, mm-hmm. you better be right about 100 percent of the time, <laughs> because it's all on you. And anybody that would do that, I don't think it's a wise move. That's what I think. I think that you know, in an organization and sports and the hockey teams are big now. You need to collaborate. You need to collaborate. I, I, I worked for Bob Ganey, and Bob Ganey, I, I can never recall a time where Bob Ganey came in and put his hand down on the table and said, this is what we're doing. We talked about it. We worked it through. And through the discussions and through the exchanges of ideas and what was good or what was not so good and what our thoughts were, it became pretty apparent what we were going to do. It became very apparent what we thought the best solutions were. So if somebody is after total autonomy, great. You just better be right just about 100% of the time. Lou Lamarillo, who everybody talks about with autonomy, has always, has always spent time with his, with his group of people and his owner. And he did because he knows if I'm on an island, you know what? If the, if, if the boats aren't bringing food and supplies, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what happens with that whole situation. But autonomy has been a – it's been a, uh, uh, a buzzword, I would say, over the last week or so here in, uh, here in Toronto. All right, Craig, appreciate it as always. Hey, take, girl, take care of my girl Julia out in Kamloops, all right? I will. I will. We got, uh, we got a lot of fun out there. We had a lot of fun last year in St. John. It'll be a lot of fun. Great, great tournament. You know, you got the Quebec Lamparts, longtime team, Peterborough Peets, Kamloops Blazers with all their success in the Seattle Thunderbirds. It's going to be a fantastic tournament with high-end uh, – Talent and, and excellent teams. It's going to be fun. Tune in. Who do you like as a favorite, really quickly? Seattle. Seattle's just built. A, they have no injuries coming into this. They, they, they have everything from the goaltender, Thomas Millich, to a great blue line, to really good forwards. I, I just see them now. Kamloops is a good team, too. But I, I think that Seattle is a – I put Seattle clearly in the favorite category.
All right. Excited. Happy uh, okay. happy that this tournament's here. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we'll be able to watch some of it. There's some, some Leafs angle, too. Fraser Minton will be in action yep. tomorrow for Kamloops. So it should be a good time. Can't wait to hear you on the broadcast and our girl JT as well. Uh, we'll chat next week, Craig. Okay, thanks, A.B. Have a great day. Safe travels out to Kamloops as well. There he goes. Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst, director of scouting.